that's where it started. Hello, this is Paul. And this is Dave. We are the Derringer Brothers. And you are listening to... Derringer Discoveries. Discoveries. Each podcast, we take you, the listener, on a journey. A musical journey. Today's podcast is Fleetwood Mac Won't Stop and Why. What? Yeah. Why not Don't Stop? Don't Stop. Yeah. We could go either way. The important thing is we are celebrating 53 years of Fleetwood Mac. We have listeners in London, Sydney, Hong Kong, Crozet. Crozet? <laughs> Crozet. And we're here today to help everyone listening discover or rediscover Fleetwood Mac. And not just their so-called glory years. Yeah. Dave, not many bands can claim over five decades of existence as a viable entity. Today, in Part A, we are only talking about Fleetwood Mac's first seven years from 1967 through 1974. That's right. Fleetwood Mac's first seven years. Today is Part A, and then in the next episode, Part B, we will discuss 1975 to the present, a span of what, about 46 years? 46 years. So in other words, I only get to cover seven years and you get to cover 46 years? (laughs) Yes, but we get the same amount of time. So I am the star of this particular podcast. Would you say that's true? You are the star of this particular podcast, but we do have two special guests. Okay. And one special guest is going to be part of your episode, and one will be part of my episode. The one that will be part of yours, his name is Alton. He was with us on the Van Halen episode. I remember that. He's the guy who cruises around, you know. Yeah, Dave, that Gran Torino you keep referring to, I haven't had that ride in almost 40 years. It's not like I'm Walt Kowalski or... Never knows how you come across somebody once in a while you, you shouldn't have messed with. That's me. In the Gran Torino, that's correct. So Alton is a big Peter Green fan. Well, I've been a fan of the British blues, rock, and psychedelic band since I was a teenager. And he's going to be here today to provide some insight on that first seven years. Okay, so I've got the non-glory years, and you get the glory years. That is correct. I know a little bit more about early Fleetwood Mac probably than you do. You know a lot more about Fleetwood Mac than I do, especially the early Fleetwood Mac. In fact, you could almost say I'm in over my head. I'm over my head when we talk about the early Fleetwood Mac. I throw down the gauntlet. Well, Dave, the gauntlet is thrown. To throw down the gauntlet, to challenge. I challenge you to make part A so exciting that our listeners will be waiting for part B with bated breath. And she waited with bated breath. Well, Paul, you pick up the gauntlet, you accept the challenge. And Dave, don't forget, in addition to talking about their best songs and albums, later on, at the end of part B, not part A, but part B, we will need to tell our listeners whether or not we believe Fleetwood Mac has ever jumped the shark. Oh, no! All right, Dave, I'm about to say the words you've been longing to hear. The floor is yours. Am I being impeached? (laughs) We are going to turn the floor over to my big brother, Dave Derringer. Fleetwood Mac's story starts in the early 1960s in jolly old London, England. That's when blues master John Mayall formed a group known as the Blues Breakers. Now, I'm not going to tell you all 100 members that were in that group in the 60s, unless you want me to. No, Dave, let's keep it to key players. The second guitar player in the group was a guy named Eric Clapton. The producer, Mike Vernon, he produced John Mayall, and he notices that Eric Clapton's amplifier is not set up. It's a strange amplifier. A strange amplifier. That he had never seen before. 
Ah. And only a producer probably would notice that, right? Yes. I might notice it. You might notice it, but the average person would not. So he asked John Mayall, hey, that's not Eric Clapton's amplifier. And John Mayall said, I know. He quit a couple weeks ago. He's forming a group called Cream. So that's the new guitar player's amplifier, Peter Green. Peter Green. That name's going to come up quite a bit today, isn't it? It is. Peter Green has probably started the second wave of the blues in the UK. The name of that album that they were recording was John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, A Hard Road. That came out in 1966. The bass player was a guy named John McVie. That name's going to come up a lot today too, isn't it? He is the Mac from Fleetwood Mac. Interesting. When they went on tour, the drummer who played on that album was not available, so they got a drummer named Mick Fleetwood. And that name's going to come up a lot today. You're mentioning some big names here. Peter Green, John McVie, Mick Fleetwood. And after a while, Peter Green got the idea he wanted to form his own group. And he's a very nice guy. He wanted to give everybody in the group credit. So he named the group Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Plus, he wanted to take some of the pressure off of him to have a second lead singer and a second guitar player. So he got a youngster named Jeremy Spencer. Before they recorded their first album, they went on tour as Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac featuring Jeremy Spencer. So all four of them are getting credit. Try getting that on a marquee. (laughs) And I know everybody's waited with bated breath and and, and possibly some of us with bad breath. Yes, but it doesn't matter with the masks so no one smells us anymore. The time came for the album. The producer, Mike Vernon, said, well, you know, that's too long of a name. So they shortened it down to Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. And the very first track on that album that came out in 1968 was My Heart Beat Like a Hammer. All right, and I'm going to play a snippet of this. But Dave, I have to tell you, this is what I found interesting about early Fleetwood Mac. The first song on this first album, they spent about 30 to 40 seconds kind of just goofing off before they actually get into the song. I find that amazing. And that's Mike Vernon. He likes to leave the little tidbits with the producer talking back to the group. That was kind of his thing, even with John Mayall. Yes. You'll hear a lot of the back talk and everything. That was left in by the producer so he could be on the record too. Keep in mind, this is the opening track. This is not some outtake. This is what they were putting out to the public. And here it is. My heart beat like a hammer. That's my heart beat like a hammer. Even though that's the first song on the album, to Peter Green's credit, he let Jeremy Spencer sing a song he wrote himself as the first song out of the 10 songs on that first album. I've been wanting to get to know Jeremy Spencer. I don't know him as well as I know Peter Green. So Dave, now you've moved on to the second album. Are they still going by the name of Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac? They shortened it down to Fleetwood Mac. That's unusual right there, Dave, if you think about it. Usually you think of lead guitarist as being prima donnas and vocalist as being prima donnas. And yet, in this case, the band is named after the bass player and the drummer. All right, so what are you going to play us from the second album, and and what's it called? The second album is called Mr. Wonderful. (laughs) 
Is that Mick Fleetwood it's on the cover? Mick, Mick Fleetwood on the cover there, exactly. He's six feet, four inches tall. Does anybody ever notice how tall he is when he's standing with his bandmates? He's very tall. So what are you going to play for us from Mr. Wonderful? Well, once again, I am going to go with the first song on the album. And they did it again, didn't they, Dave? They included some studio chatter at the beginning of the song, just like on the first album. This is the opening song, and it's got some chatter before they get into the song. Okay, Pete. Right. Right, mate. <laughs> Stop messing around. <laughs> That's what they were doing, right? That's the name of the song. Yeah, I know, and they were messing around. Here it is. Stop messing around. Baby, please stop messing around. You're messing around all the time. Baby, please stop messing around. You're messing around all the time. Now if you don't stop messing around, you'll be somebody's baby still of mine. And that stopped messing around on their second album. That was also written or co-written by Peter Green with somebody else, Clifford their, Adams. Their manager, Aha. Clifford Adams, yeah. who, who will come back into the story. To haunt them. Later on. <laughs> yes. But they had to Peter Green guy. gave Adams, you know, co-credit on that song. It's kind of dubious how much the manager actually contributed. Yeah. And as I've gotten to know Peter Green, I realized, wow, he's the songwriter behind these songs that I like. In between those albums, the first single that made the top 40 in the UK, but not in the United States, was a song called and written by Peter Green. Okay. Black Magic Woman. Yeah, they're gonna definitely play it. Is that from this album? That's not from. I Mr. just Wonderful. told you they don't put the singles on the albums, ah, Paul. Okay. You're not listening. I'm not, I'm not listening, listeners. Okay, here's a great song written by Peter Green. I got a black magic woman. I got a black magic woman. Yes, I got a black magic woman. Got me so blind I can't see. But she's a black magic woman and she's trying to make a devil out of me. And that's Black Magic Woman. You might be going, what? What's going on here? I've heard that song before, but I haven't heard this version. Yeah, not many people know that that was a Peter Green Fleetwood Mac song. A lot of people equate it to Santana. Three years later, Santana (laughs) had their first huge hit in the United States with Black Magic Woman. I could definitely see why Carlos would want to cover it. Both guys did some really cool guitar work in it. Carlos's or Santana's version is a bit more mellow in style, both vocally and instrumentally. Got a black magic woman. Peter Green's got a little bit more edge, a little bit more grit to it. You got your spell on me, baby. You got your spell on me, baby. Yes, you got your spell on me, baby. Turning my heart into stone. They released three singles in between the first and second album. They hit number one for the first time in the UK with an instrumental called Albatross.
Dave, I tell you the thing about Albatross, you could actually have it playing under us while we're talking because there's no lyrics. And as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of like background music. You know, most instrumental songs do not have lyrics, Paul. Did you realize that? I know, but some instrumentals, like Santana, when he does an instrumental, you got to pay attention because it's really good. It really speaks to you. Hey, we're not doing Santana right now. I we're, know, we're doing but, I, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I'm just saying this song, to me, we could be talking the whole time. Like, everything we're saying right now, that song could be playing under us, and it wouldn't even get in the way of our conversation. You know, I know you're not crazy about Albatross, but it was a number one hit. That is the first single with Danny Kerwin, the uh, fifth member of the original Fleetwood Mac band. And Peter Green gives Kerwin credit for making that song go all the way to number one in the UK. And when you say Danny Kerwin, I'm with you. Danny Kerwin was a phenomenal lead guitarist. Yes. And when you hear him, you go, wow, that is some top quality guitar playing. After the number one success of Albatross, they followed it up with a number two hit in the UK, Man of the World. I guess I've got everything I need. I wouldn't ask There's no one I'd rather be. And that's Man of the World, another single by Fleetwood Mac. And that's Peter Green. Peter Green wrote it and sang it? Yes, with Danny Kerman also on guitar. After Man of the World, they released another single called Oh Well, Parts 1 and 2. Here it is, Oh Well. Are we playing Part 1 or Part 2? Let's go ahead and do Part 1. Part 1, Oh Well. I can't help about the shape I'm in. I can't sing, I ain't pretty, and my legs are thin. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answers that you want me to. And that was part one of Oh Well. Dave, did you want to sing a little bit of it? I ain't pretty and my legs ain't long. Has Christine Perfect joined them yet? She is actually in the studio. If you hear any keyboards tinkling in the background, and please close the door when you tinkle, people. <laughs> if you hear any keyboards, that is Christine Perfect. Yes. And, and that is her name. Christine Perfect. Christine Perfect. Yes. Listeners, you'll know her better as Christine McVie, which we will talk about a lot in part B. Third album came out, Then Play On, which was their first one on on Reprise Records. And do you know who owned Reprise Records, Paul? It's somebody famous, right? Probably the most famous singer in American history. Most famous, not Bing Crosby, so I'm going to go with Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra's <laughs> imprint on Warner Brothers Records. His label signed Fleetwood Mac, and the first album was Then Play On. From that album, let's hear Rattlesnake Shake. That's a good song. Is that a Peter Green song? It is another Peter Green song. Yeah. And I think Peter Green consistently gives them the best material. So here it is, Rattlesnake Shake. Dave, what year was this? 1969. And that's from the album, Then Play On. Now I know this guy. His name was Mick. Now you don't care when he ain't got no chick. And do the shake. The Rattlesnake Shake. Yes, it do the shake. What you just heard is a snippet of Rattlesnake 
Shape, Fleetwood Mac from 1969, and Good Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra was the one who started the label that had signed them, and this was their first album on that label, but the third album by Fleetwood Mac. Early on, I didn't realize that Fleetwood Mac started out as a blues band, and once I found out that they were a blues band, I decided to go check out the back catalog, and that's really where I ran across their blues work and Peter Green, as a matter of fact. Okay, after this album, they released a two-record set of some sessions they did while they were touring the United States in early 1969. This is the original Fleetwood Mac group, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, with Jeremy Spencer, but also with all these blues legends. Is this their fourth album? It's their fourth album released. It was actually recorded before Then Play On, but it was released afterwards on Blue Horizon label, which the first two albums were on. That was Mike Vernon's uh, label. He was the producer. The lineup has stabilized by this point. Obviously, John McVie is bass, Mick Fleetwood is drums, Jeremy Spencer. What is Jeremy Spencer He's doing? lead guitar and lead vocals. And Danny Kerwin. Then Play On was his first album. Uh, album that he appeared on. We still have Peter Green. But, but it's not exactly a continuous lineup because for some reason, only known to Jeremy Spencer, even though he was a part of the group, he did not perform any guitar on Then Play On. He played a few piano parts, the ones that Christine McVie didn't play. Okay. But he was pretty much AWOL for that album. And we don't know why. Don't know why. So what happens after the Blues Jam in Chicago, Volumes 1 okay. and 2? Are we going to play anything off the Blues Jam in Chicago? I'd say pick one. Pick your favorite one. I got to go with this one. Because do you know where I went to college or are we allowed to say? I think you can say that you went to James Madison College. I actually went to Madison College. Oh, I was close. While you're studying for exams, there was a song we used to play as performed by George Thurgood. And the Destroyers. And the the Delaware Destroyers originally. It's an old blues song that they recorded along with 20 other old blues songs on Blues Jam in Chicago. Yeah, we'll do. Madison Blues. Okay, we're running you. And this is Madison Blues. You got a song about your Madison shoes? Well, I got a song they call the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. We do the Madison Blues. Yes, and rock away our shoes. That's Madison Blues, Dave's Choice from the fourth album by Fleetwood Mac, which was a jam album. Blues Jam in Chicago, a two-record set. I don't really think we could overlook that. Peter Green is an early blues player that a lot of blues players really look up to. He has some really great stuff. What happens between that fourth album and the fifth album? Peter Green leaves the group. When I think of Fleetwood Mac, it's like the main person leaving. It is Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I know. Tell us about The Kiln House then. Is that 1970? It is 1970. Interesting album. Danny Kerwin comes to the forefront. This is Jeremy the Spencer comes back for the fifth album after not being on the fourth album. But... He wanted to give all the uh, royalties to charity. I wonder how that worked out for them. Were they happy about giving they, the royalties? They said, they said, you can give your royalties to charity, <laughs> but we're not giving our royalties to charity. And when they he said charity, did he mean like United Way or did he mean his cult? He meant the children of God. <laughs> yeah. 
the fifth album, which is Kiln House, like a kiln that you would bake pottery in. Is that right? Yes. K-I-L-N. And Christine Perfect, I think, did the cover. Is that Christine right? Christine Perfect. By this time, she had married the bass player John McVie, and she was actually Christine McVie by marriage. Okay. Perfect is her real um, maiden name. Yeah, it's not a stage name. No, it's, it's not her... a stage name. No. You know, once she started dating the, the bass player, she's around for all the sessions. For this particular album, she doesn't get credit for the piano. They, they list Jeremy Spencer as playing the piano. What were the two singles? The first single. And keep in mind, by single, I mean it was released on a 45 RPM. But that doesn't mean it was a hit. That means it was released as a single. So was it a hit? It was not a hit anywhere. Tell me all the things you do. All right. Tell me all the things you do. Here it is. A snippet. snippet of Tell Me All the Things You Do by Fleetwood Mac from the album Kiln House. So Dave, what's the second single from this album? My favorite song off the album, Jewel-Eyed Judy. Yeah, that's a good one. Here it is. Jewel-Eyed Judy. That was Jewel-Eyed Judy from Kiln House. And Kiln House also features backing vocals by Christine, and Christine that's what, McVie. That's what I noticed about this album. I don't know about you, but I grew up listening to Christine McVie. And so when I listen to the Kiln House and I hear her sing, it stands out. I know immediately, wow, that's somebody I've heard before. And that's the first time they had female vocals. You know, it wasn't until the fifth album that they first had female vocals. Dave, what happens next? That was the fifth album. And that takes us to the first half of Part A. That's right. First half of Part A which you said was five albums yes and largely featured Peter Green but as we saw Peter Green left by the fifth album the really the only constant is Fleetwood and Mac yeah alright now we're in the second period the sixth album something is about to happen right because you gotta replace Peter Green is such a tour de force you can't just let that that presence go and not replace it. So how did they replace Peter Green? They got a California kid <laughs> named Bob Welch. Bob Welch, yes. And I have to tell you something. I am a Bob Welch fan. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I've been reading interviews, and he said that they hired him without actually listening to him play. He went to audition, and they hired him because they just needed somebody. When Bob Welch joined the band, you could feel the style of Fleetwood Mac was starting to change. It was moving farther and farther away from the blues. He was a lot Los Angeles-based guitarist and vocalist. He'd had a stint in, in several R&B bands, and he was recruited by Mick Fleetwood. You know, Mick Fleetwood is the leader of the group. Yes, definitely. Especially when Peter Green left, then Mick Fleetwood is definitely the leader of the band. I kind of view it as Mick Fleetwood runs the show, and John McVie's is second-in-command, sort of like the vice president. Right. And they seem to always be in lockstep. I've never heard them squabbling. Do they but they, don't, they don't own the name Fleetwood Mac. I know, and that's why they got into trouble, because the guy who owned the name... And that's coming up. <laughs> that's coming, coming up soon. Coming up after these commercial messages. Bob Welch joins the group as one of the lead singers and guitar player. He's mostly rhythm guitar, by the way. Bob Welch was from Southern California, and you can really feel that kind of jazzy pop influence. 
influence creep its way into Fleetwood Mac. Danny Kerwin stays on as one of the lead singers and lead guitar player. Of course, you got Mick Fleetwood on drums and John McVie on bass. They finally elevate Christine McVie as a full-fledged member of the group. So that puts them up to, back up to five people. Basically, Fleetwood Mac at this point is a solid rock and roll outfit sure. on both sides of the pond. Yeah, they're big in England, but they're not not so much in America. They're not so much, and and they've switched their sound with this album. In my view, they have steered away from true blues, and they're now going to what I would call funk, kind of a boogie rock. Because Bob Welch is an R and B shouter. Yeah, and let's hear him do "Lay It All." And that's Lay It All Down, written by Bob Welch. And let's hear now from the other new member of the group, Christine McVie, with a ballad, Show Me a Smile. Take everything easy, show me a smile. That Show Me a Smile, Christine McVie's number. And then the single off the album, written by Danny Kerwin, Sands of Time. And the falling sands of time Blow my wind and drifted by Time. That was the single off of Future Games. It did not chart in either the United States or UK. Dave, I'm going to pick a song on this one too. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to pick Future Games. Future Games. Wow, that is a good song. That's Future Games, that's the title song, and that's the album. And we just played half of the eight songs <laughs> off the album. Dave, what happens after Future Games? Surprisingly, for the first time since the first two albums, they have the exact same lineup for two albums in a row. Wow. That's... They get some continuity. We're now like on the second of five Bob Welch albums okay. that he was on with Fleetwood Mac. Well, this is probably the first album that people are, were really saying this is a great album Yeah, by Fleetwood Mac. I, I think it is. Bear True. Bear Trees, 1972. 1972, and the single you might recognize, Sentimental Lady. And that's why I've traveled far, cause I come so together where you are. Yeah, and all of the things that I said that I wanted come rushing by in my head when I'm with you. Yeah. 
that was Sentimental Lady. On one of the albums that they recorded with Bob Welsh called Bare Trees, they actually recorded one of Bob's songs, Sentimental Lady, that was one of his signature songs. Five years later, Bob Welch had a hit After with it. he left, <laughs> he left Fleetwood Mac right before they got yeah. super famous. Bad and timing, Bob. He um, had a big top ten hit with Sentimental Lady. It sounds almost the same as this because both have Christine McVie singing background vocals. Yeah, Christine McVie's voice is just unmistakable. I'm actually going to play a snippet, just a very quick snippet of his solo hit of the same song that we just heard okay. done by Fleetwood Mac. I'd love it. And that's Sentimental Lady from the LP French Kiss. From the LP French Kiss. His and, first solo album. And the reason they sound so similar is because it was written by Bob Welch, sung by Bob Welch with Christine McVie on background vocals. Yes. On both versions. The second single off the album was Spare Me a Little of Your Love. That's Spare Me a Little of Your Love. That's clearly, Dave. It's got to be Christine McVie. That's Christine McVie. <laughs> and that was that a, is classic Christine McVie right there. And that was a staple of their live performances yeah. there in the, in the mid-70s. Neither Sentimental Lady the first time around nor Spare Me a Little of Your Love were hits on either side of the pond. I'd like to pick one if that's okay on this album. Okay. Danny's Chant. And I'll tell you why I'm nice. picking it because I feel like we're starting to get a sign that Danny is not happy. And even though he's prominent on this album, Danny's Chant sort of tells you he's sort of bucking them. So here it is, Danny's chant, just a snippet. And that's Danny. You said bucking them, not bucking ham. I said bucking them and not bucking ham. That's written by Danny Kerwin and it's called Danny's Chant. Yes, but I don't know why he would be bucking them because five of the nine songs they chose for the album were written by Danny Kerwin. I understand, but what happens to him? Well, he leaves the group. Does he leave or do they fire him? He gets fired. The tour for Bear Trees, there was some bad blood boiling and Mick Fleetwood made the call. Yeah, Mick Fleetwood runs the show. I get you. Danny Kerwin was closer more to Peter Green. Remember how complimentary Peter Green was about Danny Kerwin's guitar playing on Albatross. But see, Peter Green's no longer in the group. And Danny does not like Bob Welch. You're always clamoring for me to do a recitation. I just wait with bated breath for your recitation. So what recitation are you going to do? I'm not going to do one. I want to play you the recitation it was thoughts on a gray day (laughs) thoughts on a gray day beautiful just beautiful so beautiful this first gray day is ours my loving child and there you have it dave that's the last song on this album which by the way they do not follow my theory that you start an album strong you end it strong fleetwood mac bucks that trend that is not a strong ending even though i like bare trees as an album dave is there anything else on this album that you're going to well, i want to tell you who mrs scarrett is oh yes tell me who she is and this just came out recently mrs scarrett is mick fleetwood <laughs> 
uh, trying to act like sound like an old lady. <laughs> and there is no Mrs. Scarrett. It's all made up. That makes a lot of sense because it made no sense having that as the closing track. Uh, but now it makes a little sense. Thank you. Third album with Bob Welch. Which is the eighth album overall. What is it, Dave? Penguin. Penguin? What and that's kind of, kind of the that's the symbol for Fleetwood Mac is a penguin. They use a penguin as their symbol? And the name of the album was Penguin. The notable thing about this album was, as you said, Danny Kerwin had been kicked out of the group. So they needed another guitar player and they needed another singer. So they took two people to replace them. From Savoy Brown, they got the lead singer. Can we hear the first song off of Lion Share by Savoy Brown, Shot in the Head? You brought in yet another group, Shot in the Head by Savoy Brown. Savoy and, Brown. And the lead singer comes over and joins Fleetwood Mac. The lead singer so, is Dave Walker. Dave Walker. All and right. And Shot in the Head was a song that I used to sing before every wrestling match I was in. I see. So, Dave, that turned out to be a memory fest. So, anyway, Dave Walker comes over as a second, really a third lead vocalist. You have Bob Welch, you have Christy McVie, and you have Dave Walker. But he's not a guitar player, so they bring in another guitar player, and his name is Bob Weston. So, they got two Bobs in the band Bob Welch and Bob Weston and this album is 1973 Penguin by Fleetwood Mac all right Dave what's the song on Penguin by Dave Walker it's a song he wrote himself called The Derelict okay here's The Derelict took a trip down the highway and I spoke with my folks it's a serious business and there's no Derelict, written by Dave Walker, who's the new member of Fleetwood Mac, and I take it he sings the song. He does. He's only appears on two of the uh, nine songs. So really, I mean, he um, he got kicked out on the ensuing tour. Yeah. So the secret, if you want to stay in Fleetwood Mac, is to get along with Mick Fleetwood. Yes, Mick Fleetwood runs a tight Mac. <laughs> Sure. All right. Well, Dave, I take it Bob Welch and Christine McVie write the other songs largely? Yes. Are there any other songs that are worth mentioning on this? Well, there were two singles off okay. the album. What are the two singles? One single was co-written by Christine McVie and Bob Welch, and it's called Did You Ever Love Me? Did You Ever Love Me? Bob Welch and Christine McVie working together to write that one as part of Fleetwood Mac. I think the two of them seem to get along quite well. They're already starting to gravitate toward that Southern California sound that we think of when we think of Buckingham Knicks. Yes. And Bob Welch is the one that I think brought it to the table. He's he like, did. He, and, he brought a more pop rock feel to it. Was there another single off this album? Yes. The, the second single written by Christine McVie, Remember Me. I want you and I need you. That's Remember Me. If you recognize the voice, I hope you do. It's Christine McVie singing and writing that song. 
Christine McVie has now gotten to the point where she's not only an integral member of the band, but she gets the lead-off song on an album. Yes, she's definitely come to the forefront. She is the only female voice in the group. For now. For now. (laughs) And the plot thickens. And the plot thickens. (laughs) After the Penguin album, Dave Walker was kicked out of the group. The ninth Fleetwood Mac album was Mystery to Me. Same lineup as Penguin, minus Dave Walker. And it's dominated by McVie. And and, Bob Welch. And Bob Welch. Yeah. But for the first single, the only song on the album they did not write is the first single of the album, and that was For Your Love. For Your Love. For Your Love was written by Graham Goldman. Yeah, 10cc maybe? 10cc. That's the A-side flopped. A lot of the DJs, like me, played the B-side, which is much better. Hypnotized. Yes, the same kind of story seems to come down from long ago Two friends having coffee together when something flies by their window It might be out on that lawn, which is wide at least half of a playing field. Because there's no explaining what your imagination can make you see and feel. Somebody wants to be hypnotized. That's Hypnotized, written by Bob Welch, which is a great song, and he actually covered it again in his solo career. I won't play you that version. You can just go to Spotify if you want to hear his version. You can really hear this smooth jazz pop sound on Hypnotized off of the Mystery to Me album. And there you have it, 1973, their ninth album. Ninth album, if you you count Blues Jam in Chicago. Yeah, we have to count it, Dave, because we went with your theory of five and five. And this is the five with Bob Welch. This is the ninth album, Mystery to Me. Dave's getting near the end of his part A. Mystery to Me was really the album that made me love Fleetwood Mac. You could really feel that they were starting to move into a smoother, mellow jazz type of pop that was more radio friendly it would endear them more to the u.s market dave what happens for the next album do they lose any members this is where it gets dicey 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 do they have to sue people with the departure of danny kerr when they bring in two people dave walker on vocals and harmonica and bob weston on lead guitar but both of them get fired from the group and then fleetwood mac breaks up yeah that's not they a good all idea. go their separate ways yeah they've had enough they've just done a total of nine straight singles in a row that do not sniff the charts. Sniff. There's no sniffing at all. We're talking about a chart that goes up to 100 songs. 100 songs and they can't even sniff the chart. And they don't even bubble under. No bubbling? No No bubbling under. No sniffing. No hot with a bullet. And this is on Reprise Records. Well, you know what's going to happen, Dave? If they break up, I might want to take that name and form a band of my own and call myself Fleetwood Mac and go around and tour. Do you think I could do that? Well, that's what Clifford Adams did. (laughs) Clifford Adams. He is their what? Manager? He's the manager. He also gets some co-writing credits Credits. with Peter Green. 
David, I'm a little bit confused. I see Clifford Adams' name as a co-songwriter on some of these songs, but I also see Clifford Davis as their manager. Are these two different people? No. Clifford Adams is a pseudonym for their manager, Clifford Davis. So it's one and the same. It's one and the same. So he says, okay, guys, you broke up. I'm going to take the name that I own. I own the name Fleetwood Mac. He's claiming that he, he owns the name Fleetwood Mac, which really was Peter, Peter Green, Green came, came up, up with, with the name, the name Fleetwood yeah. Mac. What does John McVie and Mick Fleetwood do about that? They sue him. And do they win? They win. Yes. And because they win, they realize... We got to get back together. They got to get back together. <laughs> so tell me, what do they do next? Now that they have won the lawsuit and they get to keep their name, what do they do? Bob Welch goes... His home, Los Angeles. Yeah. Bob Welch realizes how little Warner Brothers is doing to promote Fleetwood Mac in the United States. But he does some schmoozing, but some Southern California schmoozing. Exactly. And he, you know, basically he has to convince Mick Fleetwood, hey, if you really want to make it big, you're you going to have to move to L.A. Yes, move to L.A. Bob Welch gets them to come to L.A. Yeah. For their 10th album, Heroes Are Hard to Find, the fifth album involving Bob Welch and the last album before he leaves the group. Yeah. Amicably. 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 That's my word of the day. Bob Welsh and Christine McVie were pretty much in control of the creative direction of Fleetwood Mac. Heroes are hard to find, and they release the title song as the single off the album. Here's Heroes are hard to find. Dave, who wrote this one? Is this a Christine McVie song? This is Christine McVie. single from their 10th album, Heroes Are Hard to Find, written by Christine McVie, and it's from 1974. It's Fleetwood Mac rejuvenated. They own their name. They're back, baby. They released the title track, and guess where it went on the charts? I'm guessing it didn't do very well. It also flopped. Yeah. They do all that, yeah. but yeah. it all comes true yes. with the 11th album. <laughs> it's a good thing that they, they stuck with it, right? Because we wouldn't be talking about them today if they quit at the 9th album. We definitely wouldn't be talking about them, and probably not even at the 10th album. Dave, we played Heroes Are Hard to Find. Is there anything else on this album that I think you would we like should to play? play? We should play one of the Bob Welch stands out. I, yes, and I can think of one, but I'll let you pick one. Bermuda for... Triangle. <laughs> That's what I was going to pick. Bermuda. Dave, I have to tell you, when I was growing up, I was definitely fascinated with the Bermuda Triangle. And not just the song, but right, with, but the, the, with the, the whole the phenomenon. Mistake, yes. So for him to have a song, or for Fleetwood Mac to have a song called Bermuda Triangle, it did get my attention. Here it is. I guess you've heard about the Bermuda Triangle. There's something going on. Nobody seems to know just what it is And the Air Force won't let on Might be a hole down in the ocean Yeah, or fog that won't let go Might be some crazy people talking Or somebody that we ought to know Down in Bermuda They'll be seen Way down in the triangle, it's easy to believe. 
and that's Bermuda Triangle. He's definitely playing into the phenomenon that went on in the 70s about the Bermuda Triangle. Bob Welch, you know, wrote seven of the 12 songs on this album, Heroes Are Hard to Find. The longer he was with the band, the more his influence seemed to take over the band. So why would he leave after having such a prominent role on their 10th album? He wanted to form his own group. And he did, right? And the name of the group was Paris. Dave, we need to thank Alton for joining us today. Fleetwood Mac is no longer a blues band. As noted, Kathy will join us for part B when it really gets good. I am Paul Derringer. And I am still Dave Derringer. We are the Derringer Brothers. And we thank you for listening to Derringer Discoveries. Discovery's theme song, Your Sister's Room, is provided by Ho Joe Fro and is available on numerous digital platforms, including Spotify. Support Hojo Fro by adding their songs to your playlist and sharing with your friends. The latest release by Hojo Fro is Crazy Kellyanne. Crazy Kellyanne sits at home to get a tan. Just go out and get a friend and maybe take them by the hand.